Well, good morning. The sun is shining, it's a beautiful day. I'm so glad that you've come to join us this morning in a time of worship, and I wanna thank all of those who are watching online. I wanna tell you just something before I get into my message, and that is I wanna talk a little bit about support groups. You know what, as we get into the holidays, that's a tough time for some people, isn't it? And you might be one of them. Maybe you lost a loved one, or maybe you're just kind of going through some difficult times, or it's kind of a down time, but I want you to know that we have support groups that are willing to help you, and you can even join by doing it online. So we've got information on, in your worship folder. You can go out. The other thing I want to just say is that we also need a lot of help for delivering all of these bags and for all of these people that we're expecting, and you can sign up out in the grand foyer, and I hope that you'll take advantage of that. So today, for the next couple weeks, actually three weeks, we're going to do, start a brand new series called Stress Fracture. And I'm so thankful for um, what the Bible shared with us in, in Matthew 24, because one of the things, once again, that we all heard over and over again, and that is that Jesus is coming again, right? And you know what? We're excited about that, aren't we? But until he comes, there's work to be done. I want to say that again, but until he comes, oh, there is work to be done. You remember that Satan wants to take as many people as he possibly can with him to hell. But Jesus has said, you, central community, you're my feet, you're my hands. Will you go out into the world and will you bring as many people partnering with the Holy Spirit to join me in my kingdom as you possibly can? That's why we're here. Now, I want to tell you that in these last probably few months for some of us, or maybe a couple years, um, we've spent a lot of time together in something that is known as quarantine. And you know what? I think that hopefully, I think we can all agree that too much of a good thing sometimes isn't even always that, that good. Would you say amen? Yeah. Now, I'm not one to frequent social media, okay? I'm not, I'm not on social media, but I know enough about it to understand that whenever you put yourself out there and get involved in relationship, there's always the potential of a broken relationship or hurt feelings or some type of relationship that needs to be in repair. Would you agree? Today we're going to talk about, and for the next couple of weeks, Paul's going to tell us about how we need to specifically be in a mode of repairing those relationships that have been damaged. How many of you have ever had a stress fracture before? Anybody? All right. Now, a stress fracture is a hairline fracture of a bone that has been subjected to repeated amounts of stress. They're painful, but they're hard to find. But left to themselves, guess what? It always leads to a clean break. The same is true about relationships. When relationships are fractured, you know what we usually do? We leave them to themselves. And it's not because they don't cause us pain. Oh, they hurt. The problem is we just don't know what we're supposed to do, right? Today and for the next few weeks, we're going to look at that. And the question that I want to begin this morning by asking you is this. Have you ever been unfriended? Ouch. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Romans chapter 12, 
And I am going to read verses 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, relationships can be hard and messy, but they're a part of life. You've told us that by the way we love each other, the world will know that we belong to you. I pray that each one of us wants to look more like you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I know some of you, what some of you are thinking because you're thinking the same thing that I was thinking when I was reading through this and getting ready for this week. Why did he have to preach on this? So I wanna wanna ask you a question. Have you ever been in a dark room for a prolonged amount of time and then somebody comes in and they turn the light on? Has that ever happened to you? What's the response? You don't have a response? Are you kidding me? At our house, just ask my wife, turn that thing off, right? I mean, it's like, oh, it's blinding me. Here's what I want you to remember. In life, when you take yourself into a situation, and because you are a follower of Jesus Christ, People are going to cover the eyes to their heart when they see you, and they're going to say, turn that thing off. This last week, and I was so fired up about this, we had an individual from our church, a daughter of an individual from our church, and one other that ran for school board, and all three of them got elected. Is that not awesome? That was weak, I'm just telling you. I was so excited. In fact, it wasn't even close. Two of the individuals that were running had 
backed by this CRT group, and you know what happened? God won out, and it was 60-some percent to 30-some percent. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. I talked with them during the week before leading up to the vote. And I talked to one of the daughters of the individual, of, some, of a member who goes here, and I said, how's it going? And the tears began to form, and she said, it's the ugliest thing I've ever been a part of. Now, please don't take this wrong, but in my mind, I was thinking, well, what did you think? One of our members went into a classroom with a bunch of students, and he said this. He introduced himself his name, and he said, I'm not really sure exactly why I'm doing this, although I was challenged by my pastor, and I'm a Christian. That's what he said. If you would have seen the things that people put on Facebook about him, it would be shocking just because he said, I'm a Christian. Now, my friends, I want you to hear me and hear me loud and clear. When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all of your strength, when you open your mouth and you say, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, whenever you say out loud that I believe that there's only one way to the Father, when you stand up for those who can't upstand for themselves, when you say that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will have enemies. Do you understand that? Jesus had enemies. King David had enemies. I have enemies. Simply because you believe in Jesus Christ and you are a follower, you will have enemies. And some of you, because of that, might even be unfriended. Now, here's what I want you to hear loud and clear. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Because Paul addresses these, and he addresses three areas, three different areas where we experience this, okay? Here's the first one, our Christian family, okay? In other words, the church. The second area that he's going to talk about is this one, a hostile environment. That's the world, and the third area we're going to talk about is our enemies. These are the ones who are out to get you. Anybody have anybody that's out to get you? Well, we'll find out. Here's what I want you to know. In Romans chapter 12, Paul is talking to us in the beginning of the chapter about what worship looks like. Totally and devoted to God. It's giving our bodies everything we are to him for his services. He reminds us that we are part of a body. There's something that we're a part of that is bigger than us. And then he tells us, if you want to know what God's will is for your life, specifically when it comes to relationships, listen carefully because I'm about to tell you. Now I want to remind you, a few weeks ago you heard me say this. We are known to the world by the way we love each other, Right? Okay, this means yes, okay? We are known to the rest of the world by the way we love each other. But I also want to remind you of something else we talked about. Wouldn't it be great to be known as a church not for the things that we are against, but the things that we are for, right? I want you to look at this that Paul is talking about here in the first part. 
Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Now Paul is telling us, church, this is what you should, be look, this is what you should look like to the rest of the world. So I want to start out with the very first thing that Paul talks about. And he talks about this. He says, love must be sincere. Now let me explain that to you. That word love is the word agape. Now remember, we have one word and it's called love and we love pizza, I love my wife, I love this church, it's all the same thing. But in the Greek, there's four of them. There's storge and storge is the love between a parent and their family member. Then we have eros, that's the erotic love, that's the self-fulfilling love. Then we have the philios, okay, that's the brotherly love. And then we have agape love. What's agape love? It's real simple. Agape love just simply means this, you love like God loves you. And that's what God tells us. He says, you're supposed to love like God loves you. And then he says, love has to be sincere. Anybody ever been a member of the theater? I don't know why you're laughing. I was in Fiddler on the Roof, so there. (laughs) Now, I want you to know that back in those days, theater was a big deal in Paul's time. And you know what they would do is they would have masks like this and they would put them on sticks. And you know what the mask was to do? The mask was allowed them to part, portray a part. This was a role. And so they would hold the mask in front of them, faces, and then people couldn't see the real thing. That's what hypocrisy is. Did you know that? Hypocrisy is wearing a mask. And so in the church, Paul is telling us, Agape love is the standard by which you love one another, and hypocrisy, there's no room for it. Why? Because, because hypocrisy, when you wear the mask, you hide the real thing. And Paul says, you've got to be real with one another. Isn't it funny how people say, you know what I hate about the church? What's that? They're all a bunch of hypocrites. And I tell them, you know what? I hate that too. And I'm probably the biggest one. And they look at you like, What? Yeah, we're all imperfect, but I'm learning to be more real, and I can be more real about myself. Now listen, as I learn how to love others, and that's what Paul is telling us. He's saying the love that should be seen in the church has to be real, and gape is the standard, and guess what? The way you love one another then is, he says, and I love this, excuse me, he says, you have to have passion. Oh, that's my favorite word, because I'm very passionate about God's word. Just ask Pastor Justin, I think his daughter said the other day out in the grand foyer, who is he yelling at? (laughs) Wise little girl. But here's what Jesus is telling us. He's telling us now, he goes, the way you treat one another, you gotta respect one another, you've gotta love one another, and you have to do it in a way that is passionate. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I usually need something to motivate me. I'm motivated by God's word because of how he showed up in my life time and time and time again. When I didn't deserve it, he continues to show up for me. That's what my motivation is. But Paul gives us a motivation in, his, in these words, and here's what he says our motivation is. 
You know why you should be passionate about what you do for one another? Because God loves his children. And if you love God, you gotta love his kids. Whenever I do premarital counseling and there's another, there's a child involved from a previous marriage, you know how I always tell them, I say, listen, if you wanna know the best way to love your spouse, love their child. Why? Because it's a part of them. And that's what Paul is telling us. He says, and when you love each other, when you respect each other, when you are patient with one another, when you do all these things, you gotta do it with passion. And you know what? God gave me the perfect example this morning and it was in one of our choir members. Can I brag on them, Pastor George? Okay. He knows who he is, and so do the other choir members who are here. He stood at the door, and when everybody walked in, he opened the door with a good morning, good to see you. It was amazing. And I'm thinking, that's it. That's what it's supposed to look like. We're supposed to be passionate about what the, but passionate about serving one another. You know, this is what it should be. We both come, Lori and I, we come to the same parking spot, and I need to jump out of my truck and say, no, 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 Lori, that's your parking spot. I'll park 40 miles away. <laughs> when we see something going to the door, we're supposed to run ahead of them to the door and say, let me get that door for you. There you go, babe. You can go in. That's the kind of passion that God says that we should have in serving one another. Now look at this. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Do you remember the very first time you realized that Jesus loves you and your sins were forgotten? Do you remember the little bounce you had in your step? You ought to come up sometime with me or when one of the pastors, when we're in the baptismal font, buried with Christ, raised to new life. Woohoo! That's what it's about. And Paul tells us, remember that day? That's how you need to serve one another. The Bible tells us that when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, the spirit of the living God takes up residence in our lives. Is that correct? You remember we talked about a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, about that one of the symbols of the presence of the Almighty God is fire. Remember that? Just shake your head and appease me, okay? All right, good. One of the ways that God showed his presence in the Old Testament is through fire. So here's what I want you to know. If I am a follower of Jesus Christ, then according to God's word, the Spirit is burning in me. Now listen, if the Spirit of God is not burning in me, there's no light. Do you get it? If you are a believer in Christ, the Spirit of the living God is burning in you if that spirit is not burning, if that spirit is not passionate within you, if that spirit is not making you do things that you don't want to do, there can be no light. And my friends, there's a whole world out there living in the darkness that needs to see light. Let's go on. Bless those who persecute you 
bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. That's mean, uh, like me, okay? Do not be conceited and do not repay anyone evil for good. So we've knocked out the first one about how we're supposed to live amongst each other. Now here's the second one. Paul is now answering the question, how we live in a world. Well, let's think about this. Paul wrote this letter to the believers in Rome, and Rome was a very hostile place, okay? And so Paul is answering for us, this is how you're supposed to live in the world. All right, now I'm going to put a statement up on the board, and you're not going to like it. You know how I know? Because I didn't like it. And it's going to be hard for you to swallow. But this is what Paul is saying. Are you ready? This means yes. Are you ready? All right, here we go. How you are treated should have no impact on how you behave. Darn it! Oh, I hate that. I had to live with that all week. And I had to put it into play, and it was not fun. But that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, how you are treated should have no impact on how you behave. Now, Pastor Bob, why in the world are you talking about this? Here's why I'm talking about this. Because in a few weeks, we're going to have a bunch of people driving into our driveway in cars that may be nicer than yours. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about now, don't you? Ouch, ouch. And you know what we think? They're driving a car nicer than mine, and I'm supposed to give them a meal? This last week, a couple weeks ago, okay, can I be honest with you? I struggle with the same stuff too. Okay, there were trunk or treat. Man, there were cars everywhere. I think we had, what, close to 2,500, 3,000 kids or whatever. And you know how pity Annie I was? I gave them some candy and I walked away and a thought came to my mind, they didn't even say thank you. (laughs) Now I know you're laughing because, oh, I'm not the only one who's doing it, right? (laughs) But isn't that the truth? Do we understand why we're doing what we're doing now? One of the things that Paul is telling us is that when you're working with the world, when people are driving up to receive a meal, do not judge them. And the way they treat you should have nothing to do with how you treat them or how you behave. So Paul then gets a little bit more specific, and here's what he says. He goes, so when they hate you, you got to love them. When they curse you, you have to bless them. And when they get revenge on you, you need to give it over to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but honestly, I'm sitting here thinking, that's impossible for me. Right? But then God always reminds me, you're right, Bob, it is impossible for you. But did you forget who's living in you? Because nothing is impossible for our Heavenly Father, right? Look at this. Then you will be empowered to discover that every holy one, what every holy one experiences. The great magnitude, the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. 
endless love beyond measurement, what transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Is that not awesome? Here's what it means. Use your actions to teach your heart. Use your actions to teach your heart. Why? Because actions precede feelings. This is what I hear all the time. Young couples, they've been married a year or two, three or four or five years, and they'll come in and say, I just don't have the feelings like I have to him. I'm going to wait till God gives me those feelings, and then I'm going to start loving them. Or you know what? I, just, I know I've been out of church. Well, I'm waiting for that feeling to come back. I'm telling you right now, it ain't never coming back until you step out in faith and you be and demonstrate agape love. Then you watch the feelings coming back. You see, what this verse is just telling us is that, listen, Remember who lives in you, and if he lives in you, you are plugged in to the greatest endless love source of all times. So, two little boys were sitting on a park bench, and one of the little boys looks at the other one and he goes, I hate girls. They're always so mushy and weird. And the other little boy says, I hate girls too. They always have to wear dresses, and they can't ever get there, get dirty. Just when that happens, this little girl walks in front of them, and both of the boys look at her as she walks by. The little boy looks at the little boy, and then he looks back at her, and then he looks back, and he says, but when I stop hating girls, she's going to be the first one I stop hating. <laughs> Here's my question for you. Who do you need to stop hating first? Who do you need to stop hating first? Paul goes on and he talks about how we're supposed to do it. Remember what he says? He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it easier to rejoice with someone or mourn with someone? Well, I don't know. I kind of think it's easier to mourn with people. Because here's what it basically means. All right, so if I rejoice with those who rejoice, then that means I need to rejoice. Hey, congratulations on that promotion that you got that should have been mine. (laughs) Hey, I'm really proud of you that you got that pay raise that I was supposed to get. But I want you to think about something else. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept, right? Why was Jesus weeping? everybody else was. Right? I mean, that's one of the reasons why was Jesus weeping, because it comes out of the tomb and everybody's weeping. Now, here's what I just want you to learn from this. What Paul tells us is this. If you want to love the world the way God wants you to love them, here's what he tells you to do. Just identify with their emotions. Identify them in their emotions. If they're hurting, hurt with them. If they're rejoicing, rejoice with them. And here's how we deal with our enemies. Do not take revenge. Revenge is kind of fun, isn't it? I mean, really? Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. 
In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, so here's what Paul is talking to us about. He's saying, now I'm talking about someone that you got a problem with and they have a problem with you. And what is it that the Bible is telling us to do? The Bible is telling us to be a peacemaker, right? If you want to be a peacemaker, here's what you have to remember. Number one, you have to initiate it. And here's the second thing. Both parties have to want it. Now, Paul tells us, he says, when it comes to a time when you're in a war, when you're in a disagreement, when you know the relationship is broken, when you know there's something that just isn't right, what Paul's saying is this, as far as it depends on you, make peace. Do your part. As much as it depends on you, you have to do your part. Look at this. Therefore, if any of you have encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and of one mind. One more. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked feet, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. What is Paul saying to us? He's saying this, unity is is mission critical. In order for the church to work, there must be unity. In order for a marriage to thrive, there must be unity. In order for you to have power, there must be unity. And Paul is simply saying, listen, as much as it depends on you, it's your responsibility to do your part to bring about unity. You know when I had to do that last? Yesterday. with someone I thought I'd never have to do it with. But I did. And part of the reason was is because I knew I was going to be preaching about it today. Was it fun? No. Not at all. But I did it. Why? Because God tells us, as much as it depends on you, Bob, you do your part and you have to go first. Now, what does that mean? Again, if someone disrespects you, show them respect. If someone is making fun of you, speak well of them. If someone is treating you poorly, treat them right. And then Paul gives us something very unique, and he says, it'll be like heaping burning coals on their head. Here's what he means. In the Egyptians, the Egyptians have a custom, and the custom is, is to demonstrate repentance. They would wear these, put these coals on their head in a basket, and that was a sign of real repentance. The burning, the heat from the coals was a reminder to them that they had done wrong and that now they have been forgiven and now they are doing right. So Paul is telling us is that when you do your part, even though they don't do their part and they treat you like trash, 
here's what's going to happen. Because you did your part, it's going to play on their mind. It's going to weigh heavy on their heart. And they're going to realize this. As I treated them poorly, they treated me with love. And here's why that's important. When we do that, we look like Jesus, and they experience the goodness of God. So I want to close with this, okay? Perfect example of what this looks like. Do you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? And the Bible tells us that there were several, more than one, soldiers and others who were being crucified that were hurling insults at him. Do you remember that? What did they hear from Jesus' mouth? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. If you are the Christ, let him save himself. Nothing. The Bible tells us that one of the thieves was listening, wasn't he? He went from hatred and cursing Jesus all the way over to saying, do you remember those words he said? When you enter into your, the presence, when you enter into paradise day today, remember me. And what did Jesus say to him? Today you will be with me in paradise. Eternity may be hanging on it. It's not easy, but Jesus never said it would be easy. In fact, I think he used the words, pick up your cross daily, deny yourself. That's our hard part, and follow me. In these next weeks, when we have an opportunity to go out into the community, may we look like Jesus and love, not the way we need, but the way he desires us to love. Do you receive that today? Do you receive that today? Today, when you go out, it starts right away. Practice loving one another, loving the world and when those people who are treating you like dirt, who are your enemies, as much as it depends on you, be at peace. Now, I know some of you are thinking, I hate that guy. <laughs> but that's okay. Because that's the truth of God's word. And if we would all buy into that, we could turn this world upside down. Would you please stand? I'll remind you, we've got bags up here, and there are also bags out there when you leave. You can grab some if you haven't grabbed one, but I want you to receive the benediction. You ready? This is the power you get to go out. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his power, and his joy. And remember, I love you, and God adores you. Have a great week. God bless you. We'll see you next week.